Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Fran Duffy. That's right, another week, and the NFL draft inches closer and closer as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 97. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with CBS Sports draft analyst Dane Brugler about a position that I know Eagles fans are very excited to dig into, and that's the cornerback spot. I caught up with Dane out at the Combine, and we had some time to talk about what we both look for at that position for scouting report this week I went on Twitter to find out who all of you wanted to hear my notes on as we get closer to the draft and I tried to keep it at the cornerback spot so I picked a player that you suggested out on social media but before we get into all that the Eagles made some news today the team traded back 25 slots in the third round with the Baltimore Ravens to pick up defensive tackle Timmy Jernigan I love this trade because you've got a 24-year-old player on the upswing who's got the skill set to start at a very high level in Jim Schwartz's scheme. I was a big fan of Jernigan's coming out of Florida State in 2014. Here are some of the notes because I was excited to go back and look at what I wrote about Jernigan coming out from the Seminoles. So here are some of the notes I wrote on him from that draft. Lined up mostly at one technique in the Seminoles 4-3 scheme, which is what he would play here in theory next to Fletcher Cox in replacement of Benny Logan, who left in free agency. He plays with great strength and power. Anchors well at the point of attack. He does a good job against double teams, and he's almost never on the ground. He's got strong hands with a violence to ragdoll offensive linemen at times in the run game. He's always square to the line of scrimmage. He plays with good pad level, and he rarely gets washed out of the play. I love guys that play square to the line of scrimmage, and Jernigan was one of those players that did just that. He displays some quickness and lateral movement. He's not overly explosive, but he can win off the ball with a good first step. He's got some nasty to him, which I love. He's a high-motor kid, and he's a reliable tackler in the backfield. Now, there were some questions about his stamina, his ability to play late into games coming out of college, and I wanted to see him coming out of Florida State diversify his pass rush plan, but I wrote that he has all the tools that you would want for a one-gap nose tackle. So I see Jernigan as an outstanding fit here in Philadelphia. You get a player that, sure, he's on a contract year, but now you've got the ability to negotiate with him before he hits the open market. You picked up a really talented player without really having to give up much of anything in terms of draft capital. So an outstanding move by Howie Roseman, Joe Douglas, who was in Baltimore when they drafted Jernigan, and the rest of the Eagles front office. I'm excited to dig more into Jernigan's Baltimore tape, and I'll and look for that on the Eagle Eye in the Sky article later this week on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, which, by the way, if you haven't caught my most recent piece, which went up on Monday, I had some time to catch up with Mike Quick, Eagles former All-Pro receiver, Eagles game plan analyst, about Mike Williams and Corey Davis. He had never watched either player. I sat down with them probably in about late or early January to watch both players for the first time and get his initial thoughts, his raw thoughts while watching both players. So if you want the stream of consciousness of one great Mike Quick about both of those talented receivers coming out in this draft, go and check that article out right now on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All right, let's not waste any more time. Let's talk some secondary. As Dane Brugger and I talk about some of the most important traits to watch when it comes to cornerbacks, let's get to that chat now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Joined now by Dane Brugler from CBSSports.com. And, Dane, I want to talk to you about 
uh, a position that I know that you really enjoy evaluating, and I want you to first explain why it's your favorite, and that's the cornerback spot, uh, a position that Eagles fans are very excited about heading into this draft. Yeah, for me, watching these corners, uh, there's so much involved. First of all, you have to be a top-tier athlete. Uh, the footwork, uh, your body control, uh, just the way you move in space. And I was taught when I first started scouting that the most important thing, regardless of position, is how, to, how does a player perform in space? And that's so true at the corner position where you know, you're covering some of the best athletes in the National Football League at wide receiver, and you have no idea what they're going to do. Mm. Uh, so not only do you have to be a top-tier athlete, but mentally, uh, you know, I think that shows you're watching film where that, you know, you know what routes are coming. Uh, you know what receivers are tipping their path, uh, whether it's off the line of scrimmage, at the stem, wh whatever. So there's so much involved at the cornerback position, more so than just a 40-yard dash or uh, all that, you know, press and zone, playing off. Uh, different schemes, different coverages. Uh, there's so much involved. And so for me, that, that's what I enjoy evaluating the most. Yeah, it's really interesting that you bring up the, the mental side of playing in man coverage because, you know, I think that fans get it really infatuated, obviously, with the athletic numbers. We're, we're talking now at the scouting combine, mm -hmm. and uh, we see all these 40 times and the three cones and the jumps and everything comes in, and you, you can't help but become, uh, you know, really impressed with some of these numbers. But there is that mental side, and how hard is it to kind of see that mental side when you're evaluating these guys in college on all the variety of schemes that you see across the country? Yeah, that's, that's, and that's a great point because when you watch tape, you don't necessarily know what they've been coached to do. You know, some guys down the field have a tough time getting their head turned and finding the ball. A lot of guys are coached that way, you know, play the man and, you know, constrict the catch point and don't worry about making the intercept. You know, some guys are just coached that way, some teams. So you have to kind of figure out, um, you know, what they've been coached to do, what they're asked to do. Uh, that helps you figure out, you know, what their, what their strengths are, what they can do. Um, and then with the different, different schemes, you know, play press, uh, play off. Uh, I think the route recognition is a big part of it, understanding what that receiver is going to do, whether it's a first and ten, third and two, uh, understanding situations and what route might be coming. Uh, that's a big part of the mental side. You could argue is almost as big as just the physical side and the athletic side. So for a guy like uh, Marshawn Lattimore here, who yeah. I think you know, we expect to run really well. Yep. Uh, he's twitched up. When you watch him on film, you just don't see separation. Um, and a part of that, I think, is just pure athletic ability. And then I do think a big part of it is you saw throughout the season him improve and get better from a mental standpoint. And even when there was separation, he has that closing burst uh, to close the gap uh, really quickly and make a play on the ball. So, and I think that's that's the key to figuring all these corners, uh, what they do best, what their strengths are, and that helps you figure out what scheme they're going to fit best. And some of these guys are press only. Yeah. Uh, maybe a guy like uh, Cordia Tankersley. To me, he's a guy that if, if you put him up at the line of scrimmage, uh, let him press, let him play man-to-man. -man. But if you put him in off coverage, uh, you know, his strengths, they, they don't look as strong. So yeah. uh, it really depends from corner to corner and kind of, you know, what kind of corner you're looking for. And the mental part's a big part of it. What about everything, you know, kind of gets back to ball skills. Some evaluators mm -hmm. will say that that's kind of the lifeline of the cornerback position. When you're looking at a corner, what is it that gives him good ball skills, in your mind, translating to the NFL? First, you have to find the ball. Yeah. And that's something a lot of corners, uh, they struggle with. And some guys just have a knack for it, uh, whether they're playing off coverage and they're breaking on the route, biting, watching the eyes of the quarterback. Uh, some other guys, they just have a knack for it with their, with their back to the ball. They read the receiver. They know when that ball's coming. They can turn, adjust, and make a play on the ball. 
Uh, and it's obviously more than just making interceptions. You know, obviously the pick is great. Uh, the turnover changes the entire complexion of the game. But to be able to knock the knock the ball down, uh, you know, constrict the catch point. Uh, to me, that, that that's the whole point of playing the position. And I could make an easy argument that the one stat that translates the best from college to the NFL, it's not sacks, it's not uh, you know these other metrics we have, it's, it's passes defensed. Yeah. Uh, I think that's something that uh, if you don't have great ball production at the college level, that I think that usually carries over. Usually you don't go from a low number to a high number in the NFL, but usually when you're a high number, I do think that translates, and that's a big part of ball skills. Uh, so that ball production is a big part of the corner evaluation. Yeah, whenever I watch these corners, and, and one of the time, one of the schemes that is really tough is some of these off-coverage schemes. Like I watched Howard Wilson from Houston mm -hmm. right before the combine, and you know there are times where he's playing like eight, nine yards off yeah. the ball, and that's great. He's playing the ball in front of him. You see him jumping routes out of off coverage, and, and that's outstanding. I talked with Greg Cosell uh, a couple days ago, and he said he kind of reminds him of Asante Samuel because mm -hmm. of his ability to read those routes in front of him. But like you mentioned, if you're in press and you're now in trail and you're out of phase and you're trying to find the ball late, some guys either have that trait or they don't, and that's something that's really hard to see sometimes with sure. a guy like Wilson in the scheme that he played at Houston. It, it, that's a great example because, yeah, Howard Wilson will sit there. Re, I mean, he knows when that slant's coming yeah. or, you know, the, the pass in the flat, and you saw it multiple times where he'd jump, jump the route and take it for six. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, a player like Marlon Humphrey, who, you know, he's going to yeah. test really well here, at least we expect him to, uh, at that size, that length. Uh, a player who, you know, everything you draw up in a corner, uh, you know, it's there, but the downfield production isn't. Uh, he struggles to find the ball. Um, you know, you don't see him making those plays deep. He's been burned more than a few times. So can he get better? Is that a coaching thing? Is that something you can get out of him? That's the big mystery with Marlon Humphrey. And really, it's, it's why he probably will go first round, but not as high as maybe his raw trait says he should just because of the downfield production. Yeah, so what, we've talked about ball skills. We've talked about the instincts and man coverage. Outside of those two traits, is there anything else that if a guy does not have this, I really just can't buy into him as kind of a top-end prospect for the NFL? Well, I think, you know, just with many other positions, offensive line, other positions, it starts with the feet, you know, and the footwork, uh, and you work your way up from there. Uh, talking to uh, Kella Weatherspoon, the talented corner from Colorado, who I think is a lot better than a lot of people give him credit for. Um, he credited his – he grew up playing soccer, mm. and he, that's what he credited, uh, you know, his footwork uh, being so sound and so controlled, uh, you know, because you're going to have some false steps. It's just – it's inevitable as a corner. So how quickly can you recover and adjust uh, to the route and have that makeup speed, especially a guy like Witherspoon, who he's not a 4-3 uh, athlete. He's probably going to run in the 4-5s. Uh, you, know, you have to have that footwork to quickly compose yourself, control it, uh, control that lower body and go. So I think Witherspoon's a great example uh, of a player with the footwork can help mask, mask some other issues. Uh, obviously, longer the arms, the length, that's something that'll help from a physical perspective. Um, uh, but I think just the, the big thing is mentally, uh, the route recognition, uh, and then for the lower body traits, not only just the speed and the 40-yard dash, uh, but I want to see the three cone. I yeah. want to see your change of direction, your hips, uh, your body control when you're asked to uh, quickly change directions. Uh, corner is, besides quarterback, I could easily make the argument it's the toughest position to play in the NFL. Uh, so you need top-tier guys that have not only the physical traits but the mental traits, and I think included in that is – uh, the mental toughness. Yeah. You have to be able to rebound from mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. How, you have to have the confidence to play on an island, but then also when you do make a mistake, come back the next rep 
uh, and you know leave it there, leave it behind you, and uh, you know make a play uh, on the next one. Awesome. Well, Dane, appreciate the time here on the Eagle on the Sky podcast. We will talk to you again soon. Thanks, friend. Great stuff from Dane. And again, you can follow him on Twitter just like I do, at DP Brugler. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That is one way to support the show, but the other is to go on iTunes or Stitcher and give us a rating or even leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout-out to two people today, both of whom left a rating and a comment on our iTunes page recently. That's Eagles Eric 5 and Mark3323. Both of you commented saying how much you love the show. So thanks to you guys. You are awesome. And I appreciate everybody out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All right, let's keep this show going. I told you earlier that I would get to my notes on a really intriguing cornerback prospect of your choosing. Let's get to that player now in our scouting report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, so I put this out on Twitter shortly after the announcement for the trade for Timmy Jernigan, and at Wentz underscore Wagon responded that he wanted to hear about Ohio State cornerback Gary and Conley, and I'm really glad that Wentz Wagon asked for Gary and Conley because you know I had a chance to watch Conley right after the Senior Bowl. It was the first time I'd ever watched him. He was a junior alongside Marshawn Lattimore from Ohio State who declared for the draft. So two underclassmen didn't get a chance to study either of them until after the Senior Bowl, before the Combine, and watching Conley who came out as a junior, I thought, you know what, he's a nice player. I don't see him as a, as a top 20, top 30 pick, but, you know, I like him. He's a really nice player. I like his versatility, showed some toughness. I liked his ball skills. Like, I, I like parts of his game. I just didn't see a, top, a blue chip type player. So then I go back after the combine, and I watched that Ohio State secondary again, and I, I really liked Gary and Conley. The more I watched him, he really grew on me. And so when I go to my notes, Gary and Conley, six foot even, 195 pounds, second team all Big Ten this year, former four-star recruit, actually came from the same high school as former New York Jets second-round pick Devin Smith, who also came from Ohio State. So you get a little bit of that Ohio State pipeline there outside of Cleveland for Conley. Now, a two-year starter at left cornerback in Greg Schiano's 4-3 scheme. He was the starting slot corner in their nickel package, and then he played both cornerback spots, left corner and right corner, as part of a rotation for the Buckeyes on the back end. Tall corner, extremely long arms, lined up mostly in press man coverage as a junior, but he did a really nice job in oftener man and zone concepts as well. Displayed really good instincts and awareness in zone coverage. The ability to read route concepts coming at him in the deep part of the field. And that was something the more and more I watched, the more games I saw of Gary and Conley, that theme kept popping up. And I love corners that have that mental processing trait, that ability to read things as they happen, even before they happen, and make plays on the football. That's Gary and Conley. Very effective as well in cover two in the short part of the field. If you've been listening to this podcast, if you followed along with our X and O breakdowns of the Philadelphia Eagles defense last year, you saw they play a lot of cover two. Even in man coverage, he displays good reaction quickness and the ability to see things quickly smooth in his pedal. He's got the ability to break on throws in front of him early. He looks pretty effortless in transition. He's got the quickness, change of direction, and fluidity that you want from corners out in the perimeter. He's got a really good feel for reading those routes and putting himself in position to make a play. And he's got a knack for sticking his hands through the catch point, both in a trail position. So imagine uh, a receiver's running a crossing route and he's on his backside hip, whether he's in that spot or if he's out of phase, you know, in catch-up mode, vertically downfield of shooting 
shooting his hands through the catch point and getting the football on the ground. Because a corner, you're not always going to be in perfect position. Now it's up to you to try and make up for it and try and make a play. If you're out of phase like that, that's something we've talked about on the show before, you want to watch the receiver's hands, and when he raises them up to catch the football, you shoot your hands through the catch point, get the football on the ground. And I thought that Conley consistently, when he was out of phase, did a really good job of getting the football on the ground. Now, he wasn't always out of position. He wasn't always out of phase. At times, I thought he did a really good job of looking and leaning downfield when he was in phase and pinning the receivers to the sideline. So you imagine now you're running step for step with a receiver on a go route, and you've got your offhand on the receiver, and you, you've got your front hand. As you're running, you're looking up for the football. You've got your eyes on the quarterback and on the ball, and now you're able to be in a position to go up and attack the football in the air. And I thought he did a really good job of staying in phase, and he's got some of the most natural ball skills in this class from the corners that I've watched. He can find the ball late and finish in the air for interceptions. He was penalized just one time all year as a junior, and the longest catch he gave up was a 21-yard slant from the slot. So you're talking about a player who has been very effective for the Buckeyes the last couple of years, and this year especially was a very impressive player. He was arguably the most physical corner on the Ohio State roster, and he will come downhill and lay a lick on a receiver in the flat at times. He does a solid job of showing up in his gap as a force player, and we know how important run defense is as a cornerback in the Jim Schwartz defense. He was also used as a blitzer from the boundary. Now, where does Conley need to get better? Well, I would have liked to see a little bit more disruption from him at the line of scrimmage. Sometimes he would open the gate a little too quickly and not get a hand on the receiver early in the down and press. Sometimes he could get caught in his heels. He'd play a little bit high when he would flip his hips and run vertically. I didn't think that he was the most explosive athlete. I thought Lattimore was more impressive athletically uh, at the cornerback spot, and so that's one of the, the drawbacks, I guess, to Conley is that he's not as explosive as Lattimore. Didn't always play to that 4-4-5 speed we saw out in Indianapolis. But overall, I love that he's got the inside-outside versatility. He may turn into an excellent slot corner. The more I watched him, the more I liked him on the outside, though, and especially in a zone scheme, which was something you see here in Philadelphia, a lot of zone coverage. He's quick. He's really instinctive. He's really competitive. I love his ball skills. I don't think he plays as fast as he times, and that could be an issue. But I think there are some really intriguing traits that, as a starting NFL corner, I think he can play early on and develop in a really good starter on the outside. So wouldn't shock me at all if, if Gary and Conley went a lot earlier than people think, whether it's at 14 to the Eagles, which we've seen in a number of mock drafts. I'm pretty sure we've seen Todd McShay mock him to the Eagles. We've seen Josh Norris multiple times mock Gary and Conley to the Eagles from NBC Sports. So certainly a name that is on the forefront of people's minds in the media when connecting corners to the Eagles. So that's how I feel about Gary and Conley. But before we wrap the show up, I wanted to get to a few questions from all of you out there on Twitter that I thought were really interesting topics to hit on this week. And I will try to do that from now on as we get close, especially as we get closer to the draft. Connor Miles on Twitter wanted to know if I've gone over wide receiver Shelton Gibson yet. And that's the receiver from West Virginia. And Connor, I have gone through Gibson, really explosive kid, a, ver a true vertical threat in this class, can attack the deep part of the field. He's not a polished route runner yet, only ran routes from one side of the field, and even the routes that he did run, I wish I just saw a little bit more nuance, a little bit more refinement from him, but he can be a vertical threat, and I do think that he can bring that speed on day three of this draft to be a vertical threat to an NFL offense. So he certainly has that, and he has some special teams value as well. And then lastly, at JB1DD on Twitter, asked about Pitt running back James Conner. What does his draft portfolio look like, and would he be there for the Eagles in the fourth round? I'll tell you what, JB, I, I like James Conner a lot. I think that he will be there in the fourth round. I think he's good value in, those mid -round, in that mid-round area. Really physical, really instinctive runner. I thought he really came into his own. 
and probably mid-season this year as he worked his way back, not just from cancer, but also from a torn ligament in his knee. So seeing him come back, I thought he returned to his form that you that you saw from him back in 2014 as a junior. I think that, uh, that Connor is a guy that can work between the tackles. I'd like to see him get a little bit better as a blocker and as a receiver, but is a really fun player. And I th- I've compared him in the past to a guy like Peyton Hillis, who had his share of NFL success, enough so to, to earn a Madden cover throughout his career. But I think that the comparison of Connor to Hillis really comes in that physicality, those instincts inside. He, he could be a grinder and a finisher for an NFL team late in games. And I, I like James Connor a lot. So uh, great stuff this episode from Dane Brugler and all of you out there listening, whether you're on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, and, of course, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And, again, if you get the time, rate the show, leave us a comment, let us know what you think. Do not be afraid to leave a question on there, too, because I'd love the ability to answer it here on the podcast. If there's ever anything specific you want me to hit on in-depth, I will absolutely take requests from all of you out there. So wherever you listen, just go shoot us a comment wherever you listen to the show. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.